Well, hey, what's up, Propel Church? Pastor Nick here. I am so excited to get to spend Mother's Day with you today. And we want to just take a moment and give a special shout out to all the moms. We know that Mother's Day this year looks a little bit different, but literally, we wouldn't be here without you. And so we're so grateful and honored for everything that you do. So right now, whether you're in your living room or you need to text your mom, just go ahead and encourage that special mom in your life. Tell them that you love them and that you're so grateful for them. It's an honor to get to spend this morning with you. Now today is not going to be just a Mother's Day message. It's going to be a message for every single one of us because we're talking about the topic of feeling unworthy. The truth is all of us from time to time have felt unworthy in our life. When I was looking at the definition of what unworthy was, is it, it was this. It's this feeling of not deserving effort, attention, or respect. And the truth is, if you and I don't begin to wrestle with that feeling of feeling like we're not worthy of effort, attention, or respect, it will change the way we view and interact with God. It plays a really big role. And when I'm counseling people and talking to them, a lot of times some of the biggest issues that you and I struggle with revolve around this topic of feeling unworthy. And so today what I want to do is I want to give you some practical steps. I want to show you some things in God's Word and really help you and I take steps to claiming the worthiness that God has proclaimed over our life. So do me a favor, as things stick out to you in this message, drop a comment if you're watching it live. If you're watching it on demand, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, like, comment, share. We would love for you to stay engaged with the message. And the reason why we ask you to do that is not because we think it's better for us, but truthfully, when you're more engaged, it's better for you. You retain more. You get more out of it. So stay engaged with the message through God's Word today. If you have a Bible, we're going to go ahead and go to John chapter 1 because this feeling of being unworthy is not actually an uncommon feeling at all. See, John the Baptist was an incredible leader of the day, and these people at the time were looking to John the Baptist thinking that he was the Messiah, that he was this promised Savior. And John is really clear. He's like, guys, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Savior. And so they begin to have a different conversation with him to say, well, then you're Elijah, aren't you? Aren't you one of those prophets? And he says, no, I'm not not that either. I'm simply a voice making a way in the wilderness. He's talking about the fact that he's paving the way for Jesus to come to this earth. And then he begins to talk about his relation to Jesus. And look at what he says in John chapter 1, verse 27. It says this, Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. Now, John is saying this because what he's hoping to communicate is that even as good as he is, he's nothing compared to Jesus. When we look at the worthiness of Jesus compared to our own self, we realize that we don't measure up because he's completely perfect and we're imperfect. There's actually no comparison. You can't compare your life or my life to the life of Jesus and feel like you match up in any way because he's perfect and we're simply not. So this feeling of unworthiness is completely natural. But if you're taking notes, I want to make sure that you understand this. 
How we view ourselves determines how we interact with God. So let's stop right there for a moment, wherever you're watching, and I really want you to lean in because here's what I know. If you have a skewed view of yourself, you will have a skewed view of God. Because at the end of the day, you are made and created in His image. Which means if you have a distorted view of your image, you actually have a twisted view of His image. Our view, how we see ourselves in our everyday life, if we feel unworthy, if we feel like in our relationship with God that we're not deserving of effort or attention, that's going to play a big role in how we relate and how we communicate with God. How you see yourself plays a really big role. And Jesus would further communicate this when he's talking to the people in the New Testament and encouraging them with the greatest commandments of all. He says to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor. But he doesn't stop there. He says to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, if you don't love yourself, if you don't have a proper view of how God uniquely wired, designed, and made you, the fact that he loves you and he's for you, if you don't have a right view of you, you can't love other people. Because the how you view yourself not only determines how you relate with God, but also how you relate with the world. So John the Baptist is having this conversation about the ministry of Jesus and that he's not worthy. But then Jesus shows up on the scene to have a conversation with John the Baptist. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3 to see what this conversation looks like. It says this in verse 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River. Why? To be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. Now, now look, imagine this for a moment. You're John. You've just communicated that you're not even worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. And Jesus comes and he says, hey man, I want you to baptize me. John's already communicated that he doesn't feel worthy of this. So in this incredible opportunity that God has presented John, he's trying to talk Jesus out of it. Because John doesn't feel worthy. How we view ourselves determines how we relate to God. But John tried to talk him out of it, and John looks at Jesus to say, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? I think far too many of us write ourselves out of God's plan. That we feel like because we're un, we, when we feel unworthy, we feel like there's no way God would want to relate with us or do life with us, and therefore we disqualify ourselves. And that's what John's done. He says, no, I'm not worthy of this. But Jesus says, John, I want you to baptize me. So I want to give you a few passages. I want to give you one more passage of Scripture that we're going to kind of unpack together and a few practical things that can help you claim worthiness in your life. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Because here's what I believe. I believe that worth is ultimately defined by what someone's willing to pay for it. And the truth of the gospel is that God was willing to send Jesus to pay the full price for us. Our worth is defined 
by his purchase price, which was everything. You're worthy in the sight of God. And there's a few reasons why. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Now some of you need to write this verse down on a sticky note and put it on your bathroom mirror and on the steering wheel of your car and wherever else you put sticky notes. I don't, I'm not a, like, I used to be a sticky note guy, transitioned to legal pads, but I would write on my legal pad now. You need to memorize this verse. You might even need to get a throat tattoo of this verse. So every time you look in the mirror at yourself, you can be reminded that you are God's masterpiece. And do you know what the coolest part about being God's masterpiece is? You don't have to feel like a masterpiece to be a masterpiece. Because a masterpiece is something that finds its value in the hands of the one who's created it. So if you're taking notes, what I want you to write down is this. You are valued to God. If you've ever met an artist, you know artists are incredibly weird people. Right? There are people that make sculptures and paintings, and they're like so madly in love with it. And you're like, internally you go, that's the ugliest thing I have ever seen in my life. You think that's art? You think that's a masterpiece? And there are people in your life and mine that if they looked at our life would probably go, you, you think God could love you? Do you know how broken you are or how broken you've been? Do you know or can, can you even fathom all the things that you've done? And God looks at you and he looks at me and he says, yeah, but that's my masterpiece. I value them. I love them. To understand your worth and understand my worth, we need to know that God chose us and that he loves us. Before the foundation of the world, Scripture says that God knew you. Before you were even in your mother's womb, He knew the hairs on your head and He loved you because worth is ultimately defined by the one who created you. And you were created by God. The second thing, let's read Ephesians 2.10 again. It says this, For we're God's workmanship. So that's what we highlighted in the first part. That we're God's masterpiece. Other translations say we're his workmanship. It's this thing that he's been molding and shaping and putting together. It's beautiful in his sight. And then it says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things. So the next thing that I want you to write down is this. You are created by God and for God. The reason why God has the reason why you have value is because God has restored identity, passion and purpose within you by creating you anew. Oftentimes when we think of God creating a new thing, we think of him getting rid of the old and just bringing in something completely new. But that's not what restoration looks like. Honestly, what it looks like if you've ever seen those um those old TV shows with the old cars, they're beat up, they're messed up, and they're, they just look rough. It, becoming anew is the restoration process where something that was dead has been brought back to life. 
God is not just doing a new thing. He's making things that were old and things that were dead new in you. And because those things that were once dead have now been brought to life, they have tremendous value and God's doing something with it. You were created by God and for God. The reason we can know we have worth is because God is investing time into your life and my life to bring dead things back to life. To take things that we thought were wasted and give them purpose and meaning. To take the pain and the suffering that we've been through and create great purpose with them. Nothing is wasted in His sight. You are valued by God. You were created by God and for God. And we, uh, the other thing that we know about that is that God was willing to buy back his creation already. So if we're created by God and sin separates us from God, we're already his possession. But when he sends Jesus, what he's doing is he's buying back what he already owned. That's how much God loves you. If I were to take this iPad and I were to give it to you and then you owned it for a little bit, but I was like, you know what? Hey, let me, I'd, I'd love it back. Let me pay you for it. You'd be like, but you, it's yours. But yeah, but God was willing to do that with us. God was willing to take his creation that he had already created and buy it back because we were created by God and for God. And so once we understand our worth a little bit and we can understand that we're valued to God, that we're his masterpiece, we're created anew, so things that were dead are being brought back to life. Let's go back to that Ephesians 2.10 verse one more time. And this is what it says. So we're God's masterpiece. He created us anew so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So the third thing is this. Hey, you're released to do good things. You're released to do good things. That's the beauty of what God has done for you and for me. Most of us, if we're not careful, will focus so heavily on God making something new or we'll focus so much on doing the good things that we don't first establish our value in the eyes of God. And I want you to know if you start with works, you're never going to get anywhere in the kingdom of God. You have to first come to the understanding that you are valued. Then understand that you're still being shaped, made, and molded because God is creating new things within you. And as you're on the potter's wheel, as you're going through that process of sanctification where you're becoming more and more like Christ, as that's taking place, then you can do good things. We don't start with good things. We end with good things because now we're not working for value. We're working from the value that God has already established over our lives. I'm not trying to work and earn and strive. I'm simply resting in the fact that I'm God's masterpiece, that he's still shaping and molding me. And now I can confidently walk out into my everyday life knowing that because God has pursued me, I don't have to feel unworthy because I know that I am worthy of his attention, his affection, and his pursuit because of what he did for me through Jesus Christ on the cross. That's what worth is. That's where we find 
value, that God gives you life, and now you and I get to live it out. And you might not feel worthy, but here's what I want you to remember. God said you were worth it. That when you didn't feel worthy, God sent Jesus to come die in your place. And when Jesus was on the cross, at any point, he could have gotten off. At any point, Jesus could have said, you know what? It's not worth it. They're not worthy. But instead he said, no, they're worth it. This pain, this suffering, if it means that they can have a relationship with God, it's worth whatever it costs. And it costs Jesus everything. So what does that have to do with the story that we talked about with John? Well, I want to jump back into it because John has had this conversation with Jesus and he's trying to keep Jesus from doing it. But then Jesus pushes back. And one of the things that I'm so grateful for in our relationship with God is that God doesn't just simply settle for our no at times. He really pushes back, especially when we have a false view of who we are. So look at what it says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 15. But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. And after his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water. The heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and setting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Now, one thing that I want you to note before I talk about John, um, this baptism of Jesus is really important for you and I because it shows us something so incredibly profound about our relationship with God, and that is that it's not about performance but proximity. And and what we see Jesus do right here, Jesus is going to get baptized before he ever does any miracles, before he ever does water to wine comes later. I mean, everything that Jesus is going to do happens after this baptism moment. And God is not saying that he's proud of Jesus because of all of the laundry list of things that he's done. He simply says, I love you because you're my son. So you need to hear that today. If you've been working or striving or trying to earn your worth in the kingdom of God, you need to know that God looks at you and he simply loves you because you're a son or a daughter in the kingdom of God. Because you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're now in the family of God and he loves you, period. It's not based on your works, your worth, perceived worth, or effort. God loves you. But I wonder what it would look like, or I wonder how many times we miss out on God moments because we've already determined that we aren't worthy of them. So imagine this scene for a second. I mean, truthfully, this is the highlight of John's ministry career. He baptized Jesus. But a few chapters earlier, he's sitting there telling everybody he's not worthy of it. He's already predetermined that God can't do something in his life in the same way that he would in other people's. And in this moment, I believe that John is missing out on really what God has for him. But thankfully, Jesus didn't accept John's hesitation. But it's a big moment for John and for you and I. Because when we don't feel worthy, here's the big takeaway that I want you to remember today. When you don't feel worthy, remember you're wanted.
Church, this is the good news of the gospel. That the truth is, because of sin, we're not worthy. If you've listened to this message today and you've heard me teach something that, that, that seems like self-help, I'm not trying to do that at all, but I do think this will help you. At the end of the day, because of sin, all of us have an issue. All of us have a deficiency. We probably will not feel worthy because when we compare ourselves to Jesus, the truth is we're not. John felt this way, and John was doing incredible things in the kingdom of God. But when you don't feel worthy, what this story shows you and I is that we're wanted. That Jesus wants a relationship with you, and he wants a relationship with me. That Jesus wants to extend an invitation to you and to I to experience some incredible God moments that we wouldn't get to experience if we just simply feel unworthy. And the truth is, uh, the feeling of unworthiness will get in the way of what you have going on in your relationship with God sometimes. Because let me just be really clear, and I hope this helps you. Your feelings are some of the most destructive things that you have in your life. Now, I'm not telling you that your feelings are bad or they're wrong, but here's what I'll say. They're terrible decision-making mechanisms because your your feelings are not based on reality. They're based on circumstances and situations. We know that because when your situation changes, your feelings tend to quickly change. No, what we have to get really accustomed to as followers of Jesus is not letting our feelings trump the truth of Scripture. So I might not feel worthy of God's attention or God's pursuit or God's effort, but the truth of Scripture says that while I was still sinning, God sent Jesus to come to pursue me. He gave me his undivided attention. He chose to go to the cross on my behalf. Where is my worth found? My worth is not going to be found in my feelings. My worth is found in the truth of what God did for me. And when I understand that God loved me so much that he was willing to come and die in my place, I believe that's a foundational moment where you and I begin to really establish a healthy identity in who God is and who we are in his plan. Don't disqualify yourself because you don't feel worthy. Instead, remember today that even if you don't feel worthy, you're wanted. God wants a relationship with you. He's already determined that you are worth the pursuit, the effort, and whatever it takes for you to be in a relationship with him. And for some of you, I want to help you really quick because you are a follower of Jesus, but You've bought into this lie that you're not worthy. You're not worth God's attention or effort. And today I want to help you break that lie. So if that's you, right where you're at today, I want you to say this prayer. Today, Jesus, I break the lies of the enemy that tell me I'm not worth it. And I hold on to the truth of your word that says you came You lived and you died so that I might have life in Jesus' name. And for some of you, you're watching this and you've never began a relationship with Jesus. 
And you need to take that next step to begin a relationship with Jesus, to not work for it, strive for it, or earn it, but to simply rest in the fact that what Jesus did for you by coming and living a sinless life, dying in your place to pay for your sins, is ultimately the best way for him to communicate that you have worth and you have value and to save you from the penalty of sin. If you need to begin a relationship with Jesus today, It's as simple as placing your belief and trust in him. So I'd love to extend the opportunity for you to do that. All you have to do wherever you're at is say this prayer. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.